Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Brian from the awesome Red Fang. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you could be on. Been a fan of yours for a very long time. You guys, I'm going to start off probably with the, some of the best videos out there. I, I literally, I don't think I've ever seen a bad video from you guys. It's, is it always the same person working with you guys, the, the concepts? Uh, the majority of the ones, the, 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 the ones that people have stuck in their heads from the from the past 15 years are, are from a guy named Whitey McConaughey, who and <clears throat> he did the prehistoric dog and wires and <laughs> uh, Hank is dead and cut it short. So so like the, the live action funny ones are generally him. Uh, more recently, we worked with the, uh, this guy Ansel Wallenfang, who um, who did two music videos for for um our latest record arrows um he did an, an anima like animatronic um band that was you know where that it's a pizza shop and the and the lead singer gets addicted to pizza um anyway it's sort of a it was a departure for us um but anyway i just want to say that yeah why he's not the only guy making videos for us but yeah i think that's the one he's the one who kind of put us on the map you guys that's a well I wouldn't even know the difference because they're all pretty funny. I mean, the last one I was watching was the the, the Catan one with the you guys are taking turns with the sword. Yes, that's well, that's Whitey as right. well. That's our most recent video we worked yeah, on arrows. with him for arrows. Yeah, yeah, we made that video probably two years ago or something. Um, it was before we finished it before pa the pandemic started uh, for because the the album was supposed to come out in may of 19 oh really may of 20 no may of 20 and then we just started pushing it off and off and off because we're like well i don't know you know yeah i mean if if you if are is it smart to put out a record if you can't tour on it and we you know we i guess collectively decided that it was not a good idea to you know put a record out and just on its lonesome um so we waited over a year finally came out june of 20 june of 20 of last year um and then uh delta came around and shit seemed to get worse instead of better and then so we had all these tour plans and everything and then we had to cancel all of 2021 too i was like oh my god for some of anyway, the tours all the time so, like you what do you what do you do with all that free time you must have been the biggest I, money do um, list in the world or something i, I mean i go crazy <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time in my basement uh, learning how to do home recording, which I think is common for people. But uh, but it was ex it was that was definitely the silver lining for me because man, I just really sort of hated the idea of do having a computer anything to do with my musical stuff. I was like, man, I don't want to control alt something when I'm trying to rock or whatever, you know. But uh, clearly. Um, the future has caught up with me and uh, anyway and i was just forced to i was like the only way i'm going to be creative you know musically creative is if i am doing this because we couldn't have practices um so it was just a matter of you know sending people sending demos out and stuff and, and honestly we weren't very as red fang was not very active that way um that's just not how we worked which is okay but i, I started like side a side project with a good friend of mine um and i just learned how to do I mean, it's not like say I'm going to charge people to record in my basement or anything like that. But uh, for my purposes, it's really cool. And, and I've gotten to the point where I don't sit down and feel like 
just, you know, getting the computer ready to go is going to destroy my, my, you know, my inspiration, whatever creative inspiration I had to pick up my guitar in the first place. Now I can just sit down, turn it on and I'm playing within 30 seconds. So, um, so that's been really nice. So anyway, so yeah, I spent, yeah, like a year. I mean, I was on the, I was on unemployment. Um, so I did have a lot of free time, but I used it and I, and I, and so um, it's, it's, that's had, that's going to be something that's part of my life for the, a, a, definitely a positive change. So, and, and more recently, because of these, this new round of ca- ca- tour cancellations, I started bartending. So, um, which has been good for me because I, uh, you know, I, I'm not the most social person. So being forced to talk to people from a, you know, wide variety of social, um, <clears throat> you know, worlds or whatever that i can be exposed to different ideas and stuff i think that's positive too i mean i'd rather be touring but uh i get that i would think you know. see bartending would be a cool job if, if i like i remember all my drinks i'm like if people just want beer i could be the great bartender but like remembering drinks and stuff is what would kill me mixing drinks and stuff oh like... <laughs> yeah you know i mean i i can understand that anxiety but it's really not true i mean the, the hardest thing about 90 percent of cocktails is remembering what the ingredients are but it, they're, it's like oh the, you know whatever give me the harvey wall bang or whatever it's like you know it's three ingredients put it in a glass drink it i mean it's not it's i mean i maybe there's some artifice in making it seem like you're doing something beyond you know i mean i i think more the most the most important thing about being a bartender is, is having a you know is being able to be positive with people having energy you know, to relate to people. And sometimes that can be a challenge, you know, like somebody's coming at you with some, a vibe that's not really where you're at, but being like, all right, I'm going to try to see it your way for the next, you know, 90 seconds. You have my ear. Whatever crazy shit you're talking about, I'll listen to you for 90 seconds. Kind of challenging for you then, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, I don't, you know, some people are very natural at it. I'm not, it's not natural for me. Well, I mean, you're in a band, and obviously you sing and you play guitar, so you are social and antisocial, I guess, at the same time. But then you're you're used to being in clubs all the time, so the, the bars have probably a comfortable feeling, like you don't feel like you're like anxious about it because you're you're playing a lot of clubs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's my native habitat. I yeah, guess. right. <laughs> yeah, just really find you on the wild. I'm just on the, on the I'm just on the I'm just on the wrong side of the bar. <laughs> It'll give you a different perspective now, right? Well, I bartended in the past. That was my job before uh, the band started taking, you know, we started doing so much stuff that just nobody was going to cover my shifts anymore. And so I just had, at that point, I was like, well, I have no choice. I can either choose to, to to remain a bartender or, or do rock and roll. And man, I just, it spent, spent seconds just agonizing over that. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so because you guys, the first album was like two, was it two o five? Uh, yeah. I mean, it came out. I mean, it was first. It was a couple of tour EPs, right? And then it that. was, and then it was an LP on on Wantage Records, mm-hmm. um, out of Missoula, and then Sergeant House picked it up from them. So, so I don't know. I mean, it was yeah. It was like that. I guess Sergeant House. It probably came out on Sergeant House in two thousand. 10 or something which i guess is probably uh, what a lot of people think about it being the red fang the sergeant house one 2009 it says on i have the discography on a side here oh there you go so just in I case i kind of like reference something and keep it up yeah 
Yeah, I would say that record probably first came out in 2007 or eight on yeah. on Wantage, and then um, and then it got picked up, and that and got a more more you know, I mean, Wantage didn't really have um, a doesn't really have a huge distribution system, so. Right. Um, that's always the thing. You for, all, for all intents and purposes, it came out in 2009. Yeah. That's when I first, when the first time, or between that and, and, and then the, uh, the Murder of the Mountains, when you also went up to, uh, to Relapse Records. You know? Yeah. When you became a big, when you became a big label top 40 band, that's when I. Uh... <laughs> I know. I know. I was just like, God damn it. I, I, my closet just filled up with gold lame. I'm like, what happened to my life? <laughs> Um, but you guys have consistently put out the strong album each time. They've grown each time. Has the songwriting changed a lot from you? Like how you guys do it? Because and I also also had a question tied with that. It's like the vocal duties. How is that kind of broken up? Is it who writes the song? And because you guys feel like you guys kind of share everything. Yeah, I, I would. You know, I would say we're about fifty fifty as far as um, who um, agrees to do it. <laughs> but um you know i think when the, the band started out i don't think any of us really felt very singery you know i mean it was just like it felt like a job that had to be done. <laughs> um and i guess i was the most willing to do it at the time i had mm-hmm. sang i had sang some in our in a previous band party time with john and david um so i guess i had a maybe i was a little bit ahead as far as that goes and i started doing that and then i, I think our first tour our first west coast tour i just completely lost my voice after four shows like literally you couldn't understand what i was saying unless you leaned in you know um <clears throat> and so aaron i think on that tour sang a couple of songs just because Light and you couldn't hear me so he yeah. was just like i'll just co- i'll just cover for you um and then it turns out that he has kind of a, a very pleasant voice um so um so i think he he just by he was you know trial by fire he was like well i you know i pretty much know the lyrics and i'll just sing these songs and and then some of those songs like sharks is uh for example off our first record is is now a song that he sings because as fantastic i think as or, or as exciting and urgent as like the you know those really high notes you know that yeah. that screeching kind of thing you know i think it's a it's a real rock and roll exciting element um it just was not realistic for me so now you know whatever 15 years later well yeah um, that was one of our first batch of songs he that's his song he sings um because he can handle those notes so uh, and so i guess it just sort of grew from there where it's like oh okay well you can sing well let's let's both do it then which is great and i I, you know i I, um it's it's easier on both of our voices and on and neither of us have like some kind of lead singer syndrome where we're like, oh, it's all about me and where's my limo? You know what I mean? No, of course. Well, we that, just, that's why I was asking. Like, I don't know how you guys like Lennon, Lennon and McCartney. You, guys gotta, you both are singing and sharing and how that was broken up, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, and then as far as breaking it up goes, I, I think like, for example, uh, Crows and Swine is a, is a song. I think that's on fuck, Whales and Leeches. I don't know. Anyway, we were recording that. We were in the studio recording that, and Aaron was just coming up lyrics for it as we were recording it. Um, the first time around, we recorded as a as a single before we put it on a record, and uh, he was just going through it. And then, um, and I was sort of, you know, mad living, trying to come up with lyrics um, on the spot. And then he's like, "Why don't you take a run at these, at these vocals?" And <clears throat> 
we decided that you know, my my you know the quality of my voice kind of fit the song better so basically he, the, he was the the pro, the progenitor of the, the lyrics and the melody most of the lyrics and the melody and i just sort of filled in um so we'll do that i think where it's like if you know someone comes up with an idea we'll just have both of we'll both kind of give a go at it and just see which one um you know jives with the mood or you know the best which which i think is great you know i some of my favorite some of my favorite singing moments are things that he's written his melody and his lyrics because um there's a comfort factor in that being like well this isn't me like i don't have to feel self-conscious about that i just have to execute it you know and uh and it's sort of and it's out of my normal you know my normal patterns you know i mean just being in a band in general that's kind of the beauty yeah for me, it's just like, wow, I would never, ever do, my hand does not make that shape. And now it does. So I've got, you know, all these horrible hand shapes that I would never have otherwise. And it, and so that's exciting. And, and, uh, and I think singing is just an extension of that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, you guys, with two singers and, and the shared everything, you guys, it feels like you guys do have a certain sound established from you guys while singing. And I imagine, even when I spoke to you, I imagine you guys singing would be like, if you guys were fighting or singing, it would be like, no, you're going to sing. No, you're going to sing. No, you're going to sing. Exactly. <laughs> it is definitely not the other way around. No. I've, I've never been like, oh, that's my tune, man. That's not, not, neither of us have that issue at all. So, um, I think that's, yeah, a- I think, I, I think the nice thing, it was, like I say, it was kind of by accident or by necessity is why both of us sing. But I really do think it's a it's it's helpful for our live show and and I think just just to be a more listenable band. I think when someone gets sick of you know me doing my Cookie Monster, you know they get a break and and verse and and they get sick of hearing someone you know sing notes. They're like, wait a minute, oh here's the trash guy is here he is again. You know what I mean? Just the variety is nice. Yeah. So. Was it a challenge when you came on playing going from guitar as a singer and playing guitar? I hear a lot of people like, oh my god, it's the hardest thing in the world. Playing and singing. It was it, it was hard for me. I, yeah, I've never had any formal training to do such a thing. So, so honestly, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not too proud to say that if you go back in our earlier songs, anytime I sing, check out what the guitar is on the right channel is doing, and generally it's like one note, uh, like bird on fire. It goes and then the singing starts and the guitar in the right channel starts going which i think works of course it does that's it you know the style music works it works textually but it also is a great crutch for someone who can't handle rubbing their stomach and chewing gum at the same time you know which is basically what you have to get used to and i and i think aaron and i have have both sort of work that we're better at that now like i feel like i can actually play a riff and sing a different time you know i can emphasize different things within a riff and which is nice it's, but, it's, it's a skill i can't even talk but that's but, the, but that's my advice to people is is you know if you want to start doing that just cheat first you'll get used to it you know just either that or you know or don't play guitar at all just when you sing if that's a just you know that's just bass and drums or whatever power chords <laughs> or sing yeah, between exactly. the chords some people do that they sing between the chords as they're strumming they do that um yeah so 
with COVID, I mean, you guys were really touring. You guys, once you guys hit, you guys hit pretty big. Like you, you seem like you got pre- pretty popular pretty fast in the, you know, I don't know what you call it. This, we call it stoner, do me. I don't even know what to call it. I, I'm, I'm not good with labels anymore at this point in my oh, life. Oh, me neither. Yeah, I know. In this, in this genre, I mean, you guys got a good rep right away. I mean, not, I'm going to say this, we're not talking like limousines, but pretty much out of the starting gate, you know, like when I said pre-struck dog, well, I knew who you were. And I don't know. I mean, well, we started in 2005, so there was so there was at least five years of complete anonymity. Um, you know, I mean, we played, you know, we played shows in like I remember playing a show in Salt Lake City, and there was four people, and they were sitting at a booth, and they would politely clap between the songs, and uh, and then we finished our set, and they're like. And it was like a short set, like a half an hour or something. And they're like, play another one. We're like, yeah, right. You guys couldn't even get out of your booth. You're the <laughs> only ones here. And you're sitting there in front of your pitcher of beer, like a bump, bunch of bumps along. They're like, well, if you play one more, we'll stand up. We're like, get out of here. So, it's it's anyway, being practice. We, right, exactly. But I mean, we had, we did it do, you know, we, I, we put in our time, you know, and then, and I think that too, I think once someone, once most people have noticed noticed that we existed then there was a lot of groundwork to make right. that happen but i think in our case it was pretty drastic the you know our our first video was for prehistoric dog and it was a the video we're you know fighting larpers dressed well, up I was in a larping the, video that is the best oh my god yeah oh my god that video is so good why he was you know ha- called us up was like i think i got an idea for a video let's meet and you know and we met him at a bar and we were just you know he was telling us the treatment and we were just laughing so hard. And I was like, Oh my God, this video is half as good as what you're talking about is going to be great. And he killed it. He oh. really did a great job. So, and I would say that that video, I think that really made us um, relatable to people, you know, I mean, that song existed for, for a couple of years before that video too. And that you know, yeah. it was on MySpace with no, with almost no listens. And it was, you know, we were treading water. I felt like at best. And, uh, Anyway, just I think that video, people would see it and go, oh, okay. You know, these guys aren't trying to be something, you know. Yeah, I, that's why I think dudes. I came across you guys was that video. But yeah, this okay, one, well, like, once you got... so, so if you say, so if that's your first exposure, then just know that, that you know, there with that those five years of the grind where it was like, oh, what are we doing? I mean, it's, I mean, we love playing music. So that's what we're doing. But, are you doing I mean, covers at all I don't... at that point? Uh, never been really big on covers. I don't know. I mean, I I mean, we've done a handful, but I, back then, did a Wipers cover pretty early, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we should do more covers because they're fun. I like in the same I'm way. I'm not saying now. I just uh, feel like back then because you, you a new band that nobody knows, and you play a club. They're like, we don't even know all your songs. So I was just curious, right. like, if you did any covers back then, and kind of what you guys would do for covers, a little interesting because you know, you're your own band. You don't do any covers ever. Well, you know, we've done a few um, and it's fun to do because then you're kind of getting inside the head of a completely different songwriting organization. You're like, how they do it? What's their deal? You know, and it's so it can be enlightening, you know, but uh, but anyway, once yeah, once that video came out and then the, the Whitey's, she was doing some press management for him at the time but the kathy palo from from sergeant house and i think that's how she got exposed to us which, was, which so basically that video was a direct the direct cause of us getting signed to real to to sergeant house so yeah. so anyway i mean i and i you know 
I believe in our band, you know, but I, but I do believe that without that, you know, that kick in the pants, I'm not sure really where we'd be if we'd be a band at all, you know? So, um, not complaining, you know, but no, I, mean, no, I mean, but these days trying to, trying to, um, you know, make, stand out from the crowd at all. Um, it's a very crowded field. So, you know, any way you can get sort of people to go, oh, that one band instead of like, yeah, Stoner Rock, I get it, you know. Well, the, the thing is back, but the other way it used to be is nobody could get on because it was, it was locked down by a few major labels and a few independents. And they held everything. They held the keys gates, you know, to the city, so no one else could put their stuff out. Really, then those, then they fall apart, and now everybody puts everything out all at once. Now, you know, like it, like the dam broke. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, recent, well, not recently, maybe a year and a half ago, I was just reading, you know, Spotify, Pandora, that apparently payola is back, and I'm like, God damn what? it, you know? Well, yeah, that you know, like that, that basically those those how they are like hey something you might like if you go back they're they're on a label that is probably a subsidiary of a major who pays them to push their new artists so i'm not saying those bands don't deserve it or whatever but i think that major labels are still paying money to influence young people to get on board with what they've got going on you know what can you do well, it's the way it's always been. Yeah, when I went to school from college for uh, music business, that was one of the first things that came in. He said, you know, talking about payola, bringing in some cocaine, whatever to the DJs, they had a whole system. You know, that's my first day of class you learn about that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like fun. I mean, you know, I'd be a payola guy. Just drive around in my whatever, 50s Ford with a sack of blow and a you know bottle of moonshine and show up at radio stations, get people wasted and make them play my records. <laughs> that sounds like a lifestyle. I guess for a little while, you wouldn't be uh, here yeah, now. Exactly. It would, it's not something you'd want to retire on. No, but I mean, I think what's really good about you guys is you really have had this, yeah, nice steady steady growth with each of your albums. You know, that's that's what I would say is is what I'm what I'm really most happy about with our band is that you know I don't think there ever was an explosion you know where we're like oh my god you know they're the cats meow or anything. Um, um, I feel like it was a slow up, you know, in, uh, you know, incline in, in, you know, in, in people who attending album sales, everything was just slowly and steadily growing, um, you know, which is not like, you know, there's not going to be some kind of heavy metal biopic that's like, oh, and then it was crazy. It's like, no, but we were just constantly, diligently getting out there and getting in front of as many faces as possible and, you know, and. Anyway, and I and I think of the I was like, man, like Clutch, for example, they just seem like a band. Well, I mean, they certainly had you know a a, a lot of success in the mainstream and stuff in the '90s, but you know, they just have a really dedicated, hardcore fan base. And oh yeah. So and they've and they've taken it all back. They put their own records out. They don't, you know, they they just do it all themselves, and they've made it a family business that has been going strong for what 25, 25 years, something yeah. like that. You know, and that's badass. And I was like, God, if we could have that for our band, because I just love making music and I don't, you know, I wouldn't trade what we have for for some, you know, moment where I get to to announce the Grammys or something. I don't care about that. You know, what I want to do is my entire life be allowed to do 
this very, you know, sort of esoteric thing, make, you know, make music, make people happy. It's just, it's, I'm like a kid in a candy factory still, you know, I, I love it. And it, and, and the way this band has gone is really, achieved everything that I could have ever wanted it to, you know, just to make, uh, I'm just like, well, we should put another album. Like any problem we have, it's like, we need to make, you know, put out another album. It's like, shit, you mean I have to spend hours and hours playing music? It's like, that is not a problem. I got it, you know. Well, it shows, I, I, you know, it was, you guys have like the, it's the, um, the rise, like back in the 70s when, you know, a record label would come in and you wouldn't have to be multi-platinum. You wouldn't have to do it. They, they you know, work here for a couple of years, get a couple of albums out, you know, as you slowly grow, build a fan base. You know, bands don't do that that much yeah. anymore. You know, it's, it's not like that. So it's kind of a, it's really special. You guys can do that right now. And the fact that you guys are all still together getting along and playing and touring, especially not in the glamorous world of jet setting, you know, shows a lot of yeah. people you are. It's a challenge. Yeah. We're still, we're still getting, you know, our green room, we're still like, you know, someone's sitting on the mop bucket. You know, I mean, that's, that shit still goes down. So. No, but the fact you guys are all all together though through all these years. I know, I know. I mean, it's just you know, we're not doing we're we're not in some really lavish situations, but we still we just love it, and and it is kind of amazing. Fifteen years of band doing this, you know, if you're not getting rich doing it, it's like you know, a lot of people would just say, okay, well, I've done that, and now I'm going to go make my millions producing or something, you know. But I'm like. Fuck that, you know. I want to be. I want to be in the band, you know. I mean, that's what I. It seems. It seems to me, and I'm, I'm not that educated on it, but it does seem to me like everyone on everyone's making more money than the band, you know. Your management and everybody. It's just like your slice of pie is about the same or less than a lot of other people that are involved in it, you know. So you really to do have to love it. It's it's not about it's not about money, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, even the clubs get, like, I, I never realized this until I learned, um, even with merch, they get a piece of the merch profits and clubs. That's like the mafia. That is so crooked to me. I heard oh, that. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, man, I, we, I mean, I could go on and on about just the with various shit we pulled to get away, to get around that. And, you know, and, but the thing is, it is, it's predatory. And they're like, well, you know, you're, you're taking up space for a booth. So you know, that's where customers could be. I'm like, okay, well, we sold your club out. And what would be going on if we weren't here? Do you really think that booth was going to make more money for you than us not being here? I don't see how we need to, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, you want to, you want to, you want 10% of my merch sales. How about I take 10% of your bar sales? And we'll call it good. <laughs> How's that? How, how does that strike you? And you know, nobody says that's a good idea. You know what I mean? It's just, it is just ridiculous. Like they're doing you a favor, you know, and to, and some, and, and a lot of, you know, young bands, they, they don't have any backing. So they really have no choice, you know? Um, and, and really, if you want to have a good relationship with clubs, you really, we don't have a choice. We still pay, we still pay our, you know, pound of flesh to the clubs, you know, that's, uh, until everybody says all at once, we're not doing this anymore, then, you know, you really, we're not in a position to alienate ourselves from venues. You know, there's, there's preferred venues that we want to be at and that's right. They want their cut. We pay their cut, but yeah, where did that come from? And well, it's, it's the weird, ridiculous. Because, you know, and I may have, I was listening, I've said this, I started the show, um, actually pre pre COVID. I was at a show with, um, 
seemed to, uh, Zappa, Zappa plays Zappa with Weasel. And I was in line. The person in front of me was complaining about the price of shirts, how much it costs. And I know it costs yeah. a lot to get, to get them made. Kind of irritated me, whatever. So I started thinking. Since then, I've had Weasel on. We've done a bunch of episodes. And in one of our uh, talks, he breaks down for people the cost of trying to figure out what shirts they want, the sizes, pre-buying them, pre-paying them, the cost of having someone take care of them, the fuel to drag them around from town to town, and then the cut that the clubs get. And the profit margin is so small for the band itself for a shirt. It's crazy. Yeah. And the, th- and the sad thing is that that's, your, that's the lion's share of your profit is your soft goods. Right. You know, your record sales are basically promotional. You're selling those, I don't know, you sell an LP for 20 bucks, the band's probably... They're, the band's cut of that is maybe three dollars, four dollars, maybe, you know, because yeah, you're paying for the product and you're paying, you know, through the nose for the product. You know, I don't begrudge that, but it's true. I mean, the because you're in bed with a with a label, right? I mean, if you put out your own records, different story, but uh, but you know, soft goods, we make those, and and you know, that's why some some record labels like we have a deal with with Relapse where they get an exclusive t-shirt design and generally they take the album cover as the t-shirt design mm-hmm. um as it you know but I, I that's a good idea I, yeah. I, that's what i would do but uh, <laughs> but anyway i mean we make those we're like all right well how about you know like for example we had a shirt where it was like it's gonna be the predator as a dressed up like a rastafarian in a hot tub with the creature of the black lagoon and they're gonna be smoking weed <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I've made those shirts, you know, and and that's just us, and and so that's where we make most of our money. But it's true. It's like, man, every anytime there's any revenue stream, the people start sniffing around. So, you know, and 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 that is where you that is where you make your money is t-shirts. It is that's, that's so, so important? Sorry, I mean stuff on you. Well, that's why it's important. I always try to bring it up on the show, and people that are watching, we'll put, we'll put the links to your merch into your website underneath this show when it posts. So people can go directly to it and get your stuff directly online, you know, go to your website, go to your shows, you know, and support the bands, support the music. That's what this is about, you know? Uh, well, awesome. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep showing up at clubs and being amazed that people are showing up. It's great. But, uh, but yeah, that's where it's at, man. You know, people ask about like, how do you feel about people pirating music? And <clears throat> my opinion is that, well, you can't do anything about it. There's no way to stop people from doing that. That's just going to happen, you know. But my my philosophy is like, hey, man, if if it gets someone into your band, hopefully that you know if they stole if they pirated a record and they've listened yeah. to it more than five or six times and it becomes a part of their life, that they will go ahead and buy it. You know, <laughs> they can kick the tires with the free pirate, but hopefully they'll you know be like, fuck it, I like this band, I'm going to buy this record. Um, um, and then, uh, or if, if not, a, at least maybe they'll come out to a concert because, because of this pirated CD their buddy got or whatever. And then maybe they'll come support us by a shirt, you know, um, that's how it all works, you know, um, well, labels have but, it do, but, it, but it does have to end with, a, you got to put your ass, you know, you got to get out to the show, man. Cause that's how, that's how bands continue to do what they do. If you, if you think they're going to exist for your pleasure on Spotify and you don't have to go actively support them. Well, and just don't be shocked when their sophomore album is their last album. You know, I think, I think the other thing people don't realize is uh, you get an artist and they can, they're playing a ukulele or something. And this is not a dish towards them, but the younger ones, the media companies will be like to represent other artists nowadays. They'll be like, 
what are your numbers? What are your numbers you hear all the time? What are your clicks? What are your views to get a representation? You know, and the truth is, you know, they'll be like, well, you got somebody with a couple million hits, but it's somebody playing ukulele in their bedroom, but they're not going to ever go out and tour. They can't play out or, you know what I mean? Then somebody that has small numbers, well, can go out and fill a club instead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The, the, just that whole, like, you know, basically like Sims life of your band versus your band, you know, and our Sims life is not so bad, you know, but, uh, but it doesn't really translate to the other, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, we virtually are kicking ass, but I mean, what I, you know, it impresses my mom, you know, but you know, as far as the, the, the boots on the ground kind of thing, it's uh, really two different things, you know? Yeah. I think that bubble's going to break at some point. All these, all these self, doing everything at home and not playing out. Cause there's going to be a point when this people are, are playing out all the time. And it's going to come back and people are going to be so tired of being inside. I think I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hopefully it's going to be more of a revival and people are going to appreciate music again, appreciate being out. Um, I hope so. I mean, I haven't, I mean, I guess I saw, I saw a band, I saw one show. I've gone to see one. Well, I went specifically to see one show in the past two years. And, um, and it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, of course, although I did find myself standing in the back of the room and then chatting with people and ignoring the band. And I was like, ah, yes, just like old times. <laughs> you know? But I was really, it really did feel good to be in a, you know, in the community of, you know, music lovers and just all kind of having that. I mean, I, maybe I missed that, you know, as much as I did, you know, seeing live music, you know, I mean, it's just all, I guess it's all one big awesome you know teddy bear situation you know you it, you need all the stuffing and everything so but it, you know it's like that sense of community i think that's what we're losing the most with having shows shut down it's like part of part of your battle jacket or whatever is just like you know throwing down with somebody in line to get beers and you're like oh man i saw that band in 1986 and my guts out you know just being able to shoot the shit with with strangers and can connect that way it's awesome you know i love it what is your so you you have a i would say a sound what do you have in your arsenal right now for guitars and what are you, like what are you using for like heads and for amps and stuff uh we've uh, uh, well david has experimented with amps more than i have um he's currently like we're doing a one-off show this this weekend and he's bringing something it's like a what's that? I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a four pound, 200 watt amp. It's like, like that big. It fits in his backpack. What? Um, so for, for road, for, and it actually sounds really good. I mean, he has a lot of, he doesn't really depend on it for the, for the core sound he uses a, you know, out like inline effects to, for, to get his gain and stuff. But uh, that's great for the road. But in, but I have always, whenever possible i will stay with the same amp that i've been same style of amp that i've used since we started which is and all we started all three of us were using sun amps sun beta leads or beta bases um and as far as our sound i think that really was what it, it, it was a big part of it because well aaron plays bass through through a, a sun beta bass into a 412 cabinet so it has we have a it's a nice thick mid-rangey and 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 you know all since all the amps are essentially cranking out the same core sound the same same sort of uh you know gain 
um, it's it's nice and unified. And I think that was a big part of what our sound was, you know. And I and I still love it. I mean, I'm I'm going to be putting that thing in the overhead, you know, on the air our plane tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's I get my upper body strength carrying that thing around airports. <laughs> what about guitars? Uh, I've been uh, probably the guitar I've used predominantly for the past three years is a is a Nick Huber um, Krauster two. It's a it's a boutique boutique yeah. guitar maker at a at a I want to say Hamburg Germany. Oh, they'll kill me if I get that wrong. They're from Germany anyway, and they obviously have a sense of humor because they call it the Krauster. But uh, <laughs> I was for for but for the twenty years before that I was playing i have a little monster it's a 1964 fender mustang um that someone chopped down to look like an sg because i guess they decided they wanted an sg but instead of trading their vintage mustang in for an sg they just chopped it up to look like one <laughs> uh, anyway i was like oh my god anyway i got that a crazy story i saved it from certain death and i got it for 40 bucks from a from a good friend who ended up going into a coma and then i didn't see him I, in any case crazy i paid him the 40 bucks anyway so i play so i played that guitar forever and ever and i had like really fan, nice guitars like a like a new les paul and but i just kept you know it would catch me, the corner of my eye in the practice space and i just kept moving back to that thing so that's always been my baby up until we were flying and there was a there was a strike at an airport and so they lost my guitar um there was a baggage handler strike, so I couldn't get my guitar. For, it was a short weekend anyway, so I had to borrow this Krauser, and then God damn it if it doesn't play great. So I was, so I was tricked into it, you know. I, so I, blame, my, I blame my bandmate, David, for, for tricking me into playing this guitar. But anyway, so, check out so those are my... Yeah. What, what about um, strings that you're using in gauges? Because you guys really hit, hit hard. What are you guys using for gauges and stuff in strings? I use Dunlops. Uh, I string my guitar. I, 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 it's five strings. Um, and it's, and in general, we, the lion's share of our songs are either an E or drop D. And so my tuning in E would be E, A, D, G, and then a unison G on the fifth string, and then nothing for the high E string. Really? So five string thicker. What what where did that come about? That's that's just that's really uh, cool. It's interesting that I don't know how that came about. I guess I, really I had really a broken like... string and it just that's how I played. <laughs> well, that actually, unfortunately, is probably how it went because because my guitar has little these little barrels, you know, these little uh, you know saddles that are little tiny barrels, and they were spring loaded, but they weren't affixed. They're just in there by tension, and I think I lost one. I replaced it. I lost again. And I and I think that was before this band and i was just like I, you know what i don't use that string much anyway so that's how that went and then as far as tuning my my b string down to unison g um i think it was i was some experiment i tried and i guess i liked it i got used to it and i and i really like it because i th i think um it forces me to think a little more melodically simplistically in melodies and just having those two strings as a unison it's not quite right there's a little bit of warble to it um it gives it sort of a vocal quality and so if i'm like, 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 like a dissonant sound to it 
slightly. I mean, they're just because because they're different gauges. The, yeah. the unison G is is like a thirteen or a fourteen, and so it you know its tension is different. So there's no way you're going to grab it just so and it's going to hit true. So there's oh, it's always a couple a couple of cents out. A little dance. Got it gives a little bit of squirrely. Um, unpredictable squirrely, which I like. Uh, and then, you know, so if you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you do that with the unison, it just, it has a bigger, you know, it has a bigger voice to it. It's, it has more impact, you know, and, uh, and I'm not much of a total guy. So I kind of leave the fancy guitar work to David. So, so when I do something, it's like, I'm going to punch you in the face with this melodic idea. Oh, Davey's got the fancy guitar with six strings. <laughs> exactly. Fuck, opulent son of a bitch. All right. I mean, what does he think he's like a, a melody of Marcos of guitar strings? Well, you the boutique guitar, you've kind of challenged him to keep it up with an extra string. So, you know. Nah, yeah. Oh, no. But I mean, I, 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 I kid. I mean, I, it, I, I am a, more of a. I'm more of the knuckle dragging guitar player and, uh, um, and I'm way more blocky and direct and i he has a lot more subtlety and i think that that's a, a, a nice counterpoint within the band too uh-huh. so that's you know it's like we have the different vocal vocal styles and the, and the two guitar things it's nice and you know it's not like we had some kind of like manifesto it's just how it worked out and i'm and i i'm and that's probably part of the longevity of the band is because there's still things that, that perk my ears up every band practice i'm like oh what's that thing you're doing let me steal that thing you know Excellent. That's really cool. So what are the plans right now for the album and the touring? Anything kind of like for people to see you and, you know? Uh, well, the album came out uh, right. in June last year, and we had to cancel all the tours to support it. So the record did okay anyway. I guess people were interested and, and took and, and a fair amount of people took it home, and it, hopefully they listened to it. Um, but uh, we, you know, we're like, well, you know, that just that's life. So um, it's a lot of waiting, but it looks like we have we have a couple of one-off shows. We're doing a festival, um, like a Stoner Rock festival in New York in May, and then uh, another festival in Austin in April. Um, and then the European tour is going to be the first real tour we do, which will be in June, and that's you know big, big European metal festivals, which are super fun. It's you know it's like it's like getting to join the circus for a little bit. So. Um, so that'll be, I'll really feel like I'm back in the, back in the, you know, back in the saddle once we, once we, in, you know, get out there for a month. I mean, I'm, it's been so long. I'm like, what is playing a show like? Is it, I'm pretty sure it's fun. We should try it. it it's been interesting to hear people, musicians who've been touring and then say, then they aren't, and then where they're at to go back. And some of them are like, yeah, maybe I was doing too much, maybe. But everybody's putting out really good albums now, though, because everyone's able to sit down and record something, you know, with time without having to turn around and rush it back out. They've had the time. Yeah. And it's, and I have seen a lot of, you know, uh, uh, friends, you know, people just kind of collaborating with each other. And there's been a lot of really cool, you know, weirdo basement projects happening. So that, that's exciting. You know, I mean, I think anytime there's some kind of total bullshit, it does some, it, it fertilizes the ground for good music. So yeah, bring on the, bring on the bullshit. Well, like I said, everyone who's watching that aren't familiar, I'll have the, the link for the website. Um, I'll put up the Facebook. All the links will be underneath there on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. 
check them out when they're playing live near you. Get their stuff, buy their stuff, get their merch. I want to thank you for being on the show, though. It's been awesome, man. Hey, well, thank you for having me.